Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're talking to former college basketball player and high school basketball coach Mason Sawyer. Mason had an incredibly tragic event happen in his life nearly a year ago where his wife, children, a brother were killed in a car accident. And he talks about how the lessons he learned from playing sports helped him to develop the resiliency necessary to respond to this tragic event. This is a life-changing discussion with an incredible person. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Well, everybody, I'm here with Mason Sawyer, former college basketball player, and Mason's story is incredible. It's an incredible story of resilience and in response to one of the most difficult things I've ever heard of someone face, Mason, and, and I yep. think that as we talk together, it will really help our athletes and parents and coaches who listen to this podcast see how sports is more than about just winning games but it's about building attributes and people that will help them respond to life in the future and i think your story is a great example of that so thank you so much first yeah. of all for joining us no thanks for having me i'm excited to be here so thanks for reaching out yeah so so just to give us a little bit of your sports background if you would take a minute and just let us know what you did here basketball player west mm -hmm. jordan West Jordan yeah. Jaguar, right? Tell us a little bit about your high school basketball experience. Yeah, West Jordan Jaguars. I graduated 2009, and I just loved basketball since I was a little kid. I mean, there's little home videos of me running around with a basketball dribbling when I'm like three years old type of thing, you know? And I had older brothers, and they just beat up on me growing up and, and kind of taught me to work hard and deal with adversity type of thing. Um, and then I got to high school and I was lucky to be on a, on a really good high school team. I was one of the captains of the team. I mean, listen, I, I was like region three, most outstanding player for my region, my senior year. I got a full ride scholarship to Boise state after my junior year. I was a good basketball player. There's a good chance though, that I was the third best player on my team in high school like we were low like we had some dudes yeah um, so like one of our one of our guys reyes he went to nebraska another one of our guys played he went to suu and then some other places and like the we had a guy named dj he was six man like he ended up going to the nfl <laughs> so that just shows you like even our lower guys who weren't great at basketball, like this is a future NFL yeah. athlete. So we had a really good team and our senior year, we had a really good uh, season. We played Lone Peak in the state championship. Lone Peak had Tyler Hawes and Nate Austin and, and some of those BYU guys back in the day. And we were able to, to play well enough and we beat them that night. And that was, uh, that was a heck of a night, man. I, I think bet. about that. Yeah. And I still, you know, you still text your buddies about that night or, hey, we got to pull out the film and watch the game again type of thing. So, 
And listen, I played a lot of basketball for a lot of coaches and a lot of different levels. I never enjoyed playing basketball more than I did in high school with like my group of buddies growing up and the, the, the high school that you're a part of. There's just something special about high school sports, I think. And I played college basketball, but it, it didn't come close to high school. I love playing high school basketball. And, and I had an unbelievable high school basketball coach that taught me a lot of important life lessons for sure. I signed a letter of release from Boise State. I ended up going to Dixie State, which is a Division two school, which I have no shame of saying. I mean, listen, you probably understand this, but the difference between Division one athletes and Division two athletes or NAIA athletes or JUCO is not like if you're talking about talent and skill and knowledge of the game, it's very equal. The biggest difference, and this is the brutal reality of, of being a college athlete, is they're going to, like, take me, for example. I'm 5'10". They're going to try to find someone like me that can do what I can do, but who's 6'3". Right. And that's the difference. That's D1 is the 6'3 version of me. <laughs> and, like, really, that's the best way to put it. But I think yeah. a lot of high school athletes think of, like, D1 as this really upper tier and then like, no, like it's really more equal than we realize. It's just the length and athleticism. But but that's all outside of our control. You can't really control how tall you're going to get and, and that type of stuff. But Well, and as it applies to what we're talking about, too, there, even in D1, so few of those guys go on and end up professionally providing for themselves with the right. sport, right? Yeah. But the lessons learned in an NAIA school or a Division II school or a Division III school or Division One, those mm -hmm. life lessons are the same. It's not like yeah. someone had, besides maybe crowd size being an element or something like that, but mm -hmm. the 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 men and women who walk away from playing a college sport or high school sports or whatever, no matter what level they, they ascended to, they're walking away with the same life lessons yeah. and everything else that the others are. And so, exactly. which is, I, really cause important. I just, yeah, I remember thinking like, Oh, I, cause I got this division one scholarship and then I went to a D two school and I remember having thoughts of, Oh, I'm supposed to be D one. I'm just, I'm going to, tear it up d2 no it was hard man there's some players at the yeah. d2 level juco level i mean there's some legit basketball players so if you're a high school athlete don't look i wouldn't read into that stuff very much if you can get to the next level at all i think that's incredibly difficult and you should and you should be happy with it honestly it's it's really rare it's really hard to get to the next level so yeah, yeah. awesome Awesome. And I want to get in a little bit, uh, Mason, with some of those life lessons, because mm -hmm. I came upon your story and, and learned about your story, really a tragic story, but it, it would be a story that anyone would have the hardest time responding to. I mean, I, for me, if I were to pick something to go through in my life, what you've been through might be last on my list, man. I mean, just so difficult. But when we face those moments in life, when we need to be resilient, the life lessons we've learned from sports on how to respond to difficult circumstances are so valuable. Would you just take a second and, and let our listeners know just kind of what you've been through in the last 
in the last year or so yeah. and, and the, your story a little bit? Yeah, so we just came up on the year mark, the one year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Uh, time's a weird thing for me now. It's just, I have a hard time. It just goes super fast and then super slow. I think all the trauma has caused that to happen for me. But so anyway, just grasping a year is weird for me because it feels like it happened 20 years ago and it feels like it happened 20 minutes ago at the same time type of thing. But, but, uh, July 25th, 2021, my wife, my son Riggins, my daughter Frankie, my son Blue, went to a family reunion slash family vacation in Bear Lake, Utah. And I couldn't go because I had to work. And and I we were living in St. George, Utah, southern Utah. So it was about a four, five-hour drive to Bear Lake. And I couldn't go. I was working. And my brother, I have an older brother who also lives in St. George, and his wife couldn't go because of work. And, and two of his kids also couldn't go. But my brother Race could go and, and his youngest son Ryder could go. So they went with my wife and my family to the family reunion. So they were driving together. Um, and then on the way back home that Sunday, they were in Fillmore. So probably halfway, they were two hours away from St. George and a dust storm really powerful, quick dust storm kicks up on this interstate and just causes a whiteout essentially and causes a really nasty, terrible 20 car pileup that kills eight people, I believe. And five of those people are my family. So I lost my wife, my son Riggins, my daughter Frankie, my brother Race and my nephew Ryder in the car accident. And Blue, my son Blue, he was in the car and he was the only survivor of the accident. So they life flighted him to the hospital that night. And then I had to drive four hours to the hospital. And I, I had to drive through the very accident that caused them to die. And that was really hard. I had to, I had to drive through that to get to the hospital. And yeah, I don't. It's hard to put emotions. It's just your whole world is is gone essentially, and that the last year I I'm still trying to figure out how to put it into words, honestly. Um, but honestly, it's kind of like a, you know you've been in a, a baseball game or a basketball game where it's just not going well for you. And you look up at the scoreboard and you're you're just down 30 <laughs> with five minutes left. You know that feeling? Yeah. There's just nothing you can do. That's kind of what it feels like. Like there's I'm always like I'm not gonna get them back. They're gone. There's really nothing I can do essentially to change that. All I can focus on and all I can care about and worry about is, you know, the five minutes I have left. The game, we have five minutes left of the game. We're not going to win, right? I'm sure you've had a coach give you the same story. I feel like we all have, but essentially you're in that timeout and the message is, hey, we're going to lose, but how are we going to play the last five minutes? Though, like, I love those moments in sports now. Like when I'm watching games and it gets ugly, it gets to be a blowout, like I am hooked. Like who is 
Who's left? Who's still trying? Because they know in the back of their mind it's not going to work out for them. Um, but you still got to give it everything you got. And that's honestly, that's one of the things that bugs me. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I watch a lot of Little League basketball, high school basketball. And I, even myself, like I play in these adult city leagues with sports. And it just seems like the last minute of the game, if it's not close, the refs just call it. Hey, that's the game. And they call the game because they don't want fights to happen. And it, like, we need to finish the game. Like, you, we have two minutes left. They have to handle losing. And the other team has to handle being a good sport. Like, this is a big part of why we're playing the game is how we handle losing and winning. Yeah. And this is just one small example of how we're doing this in sports and as a society to protect people from losing. Like, we don't want people to experience the, the feeling of loss and losing. It's painful. So let's try to, like, not put ourselves in those situations so everyone's a winner. Everyone gets a trophy type of thing. Let's just call the game. There's two minutes left. There's no way they can win. No, you got to finish the game. That, that We started the game. Now we got to finish. Like, little things like that I get into now. And I care a lot about because that's what you have control over. I can control how hard I play. I can't, I can't get my family back. It's a terrible thing. I can't change that. It's terrible, but I can focus on and make this car accident and losing my family. If I handle it the right way, I think I can make something really meaningful and really beautiful come from that. And that's what my whole mission is now is I'm going to take this terrible, sad experience, this accident, and I'm going to use it to try to help as many people as I can. And sports is one of the best ways to teach kids and, and to mold people who are resilient is, is sports. And why is it sports? Is because there's winning and losing. And we have to let that happen. We have to let our players, our athletes, our kids lose and let them lose. Like, don't give them excuses. It's not the ref's fault. It's not the coach's fault. Like, look in the mirror. What can you do? What can we do? Um, but it's scary. Honestly, it's scary that we're just creating this culture of let's not have kids experience loss and failure and let's not have anyone feel bad all the time. And I have lots of stories from my childhood and coaches and parents, my parents that I think have taught me resiliency at a young age and I'm sorry, I'm talking forever right now. Can I share one with you? Yeah, no, this is so. This is awesome. Yeah, go so ahead. I remember I was playing Little League football, and I was a quarterback, and we weren't good. Like, we were not good at football. We won, like, two games a year usually. And I was a quarterback, and I don't remember – I think we were playing – I don't remember who we were playing. And I probably threw five interceptions, had a couple fumbles – just like the worst game and i'm this little kid i'm probably 10 11 and i don't i don't cry or at least i don't remember crying like in front of my teammates or anything but we finish the game we get our orange slices we get in the car and i just remember i put my head down and i just start crying and my dad's in the in the front seat and my dad puts his hand around my neck you know kind of comforted me and says he says, I love watching you play. And I said, thanks, Dad. And <clears throat> he didn't say anything else. He just let me sit there for a minute. 
And then he said, and and then I said, I started talking about how bad I was playing. My dad, I just played so bad. I I feel awful for my team. And my dad said, he said, said, yeah, that was a rough game. And he just kind of let me sit there in it for a minute. And then he said, but I love watching you play and I know how hard you work and you're just going to learn from this. And I don't even know if my dad remembers me telling me that, but my dad let me feel bad. My dad let me be accountable. He didn't blame the receivers. He didn't bat. He didn't badmouth the offensive linemen. He didn't badmouth the coach. He'd never went, not one time, never had a discussion like that with my dad. And he just let me feel it and that awful feeling of pain. And that's motivating. That feeling of pain and anger and sadness from losing is good because that's what lights the fire for you to improve. Winning's easy. Teams that win, it's easier for them to deal with adversity. Losing's hard. Um, but that's the real test of a man or, or a woman is how do you handle failure? And I, I feel like I was, I was taught that. I mean, I have another one. I remember I was a really good basketball player when I was a little kid, like elementary school. I was really good. I was better than all my friends. And then I remember I got invited on this um, travel team, like this AAU travel team. I'm like, man, this is cool. And every time I play a basketball game in Utah, and I, I don't want to sound cocky or arrogant, but when I was little, I was usually the best one on the floor. Like, I just kind of did my thing. So I remember going – and I, I honestly thought I was going to the NBA. Like, I'm going – because, you know, you play all these games and you're always the best player, and then you watch the NBA game. Like, I'm going to be there one day. Yeah. And so I remember we went to Florida, and I just get my butt kicked. Like – our team, like our team loses, but me individually, like I'm turning the ball over. I can't handle the pressure. I like it. The game's moving so fast. And I just remember coming home from that trip and having the mindset of, okay, I don't think I'm going to go to the NBA, but I want to play college basketball. I can do that. I'm good enough to do that. And that was my new goal. Like, I, I just I think my parents and, and the coaches I had just kind of instilled this sense of I was just really self-aware as a young kid and understood how hard I needed to work and and different things like that. But that's another example. I remember telling my dad I was disappointed in how bad I was playing. And, and he, again, he never gave me an excuse. He never gave me a reason out. He just said, yeah, you got to get better type of thing. Yeah, that's so important to build resilience, you know, that we always talk about on our podcast, we've we've done a lot of episodes on this very thing. I mean, it seems to gravitate toward we can we could control attitude and effort. We can't control outcome. Mm -hmm. We can't control if someone's just bigger, faster, stronger. And so when we when we give our kids those outs, when we, oh, it was the ref's fault, like you said, or your stupid coach doesn't realize what we've realized, or that other kid was cheating, or whatever it might be, it's almost like we're, you know, if someone's bench pressing, mm -hmm. and they're trying to gain muscle, that muscle they're trying to build in these instances is resiliency, but we just keep pulling up the bar for them. Yeah. You know, so they are. That's doing, a really good analogy. They think they're doing something, but yeah. they aren't. You know, they aren't building. It's not tearing them down at all, and they aren't learning to respond to that. And so we keep just spotting them and pulling up that bar, and and 
you know, just nurturing their tender little feelings instead of, I love some of the phrases you use that great tribute to your father that he let you sit in your pain. You know, he didn't give you excuses. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes we so quickly want to pull away the pain that our kids are experiencing in sports. We want to pull that away. And I think when we take a step back and look at the grand picture of life, that might be the most valuable experience they get from sports yeah. is learning to deal with, with that failure and learning to respond, learning to get up when they get knocked down, learning to be embarrassed and still go out and do yeah. it. All of those things are going to apply in life. And so as you've experienced this, um, this tragedy in your family, let me just pause here. I know it was a while ago, but man, I am so sorry that you've experienced this. And, and as I became aware, I remember that crash actually. And then, you know, was put in contact with you and, and watched a few of the videos that, that you've done. You spoke recently at Dixie, well, at Utah Tech now, I guess, uh, Utah Tech University. And, yeah. and um, we'll put some links to those in our, in our bio here or in the show notes here. But cool. I was just so inspired. I'm, I'm crushed for you, but I'm inspired by your response. You've talked about that, how your dad reacted, but are there a few things as you've experienced this, a few lessons in sports that you didn't realize maybe you were learning at the time, but now you're going, I, I kind of rely on that. My mind goes back to those things, you know, that I learned in sports to handle this very difficult situation. Yeah, I had a... I had a really good high school basketball coach named Scott Briggs. And he'd tell us all the time things like focus on what you can control. Don't ride the roller coaster type of stuff. Moving on to the next play. And, you know, it's funny because losing my family is such a big, terrible, sad story. But it's the simple little things, like the little life lessons that have helped me the most, honestly. It's not some big, elaborate, cool story. or it, It's like the simple little quotes and little sayings that coaches actually tell their players a lot. And But when I was a player, it just kind of – you just hear it so many times. It's kind of, okay, yeah. And then something like this happens – and I never realized like how much I actually lean on those simple things I hear every day, but like focusing on what I can't control, that might be the biggest thing that's helped me. I have so much anger and pain and I can't even like misery all the time. The, those emotions we have when we're angry or upset is when we're focused on focusing on things outside of our control, usually. And that's why it's so we're so angry is we have no control over it. And so when I think about what happened to my family, I, I'm powerless and it's really frustrating. But when I spent when I put my focus, time and energy into things I can control like this, then great things happen for me. So that's a huge life lessons. And athletes need to hear that is this is blue, by the way. What's up, blue? Say hey, what's up? How are you, buddy? <laughs> I was talking about you a little bit. Um, but I, honestly, if I 
if I could spend all day focusing on things outside my control, and some days I do do that, and those are my down, like those are my bad days where I just can't get out of that headspace of thinking about them. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't do you any good, really, because at the end of the day, you have to focus. Like, what can I do? What can I control? And I'm I'm lucky. I have Blue survived the car accident. I still have great people in my life. I have some opportunities to do some great things. I don't love what happened. I'm never going to love what happened. I don't think it's part of any plan. I Honestly, I think it's meaningless. I don't think it means anything. It's up for me to give it meaning. It's up to me to make something good out of it. But that's up to me. If I just hid in my basement all day long, then the car crash is meaningless. doesn't mean anything. didn't do anyone any good. It's up to me to change that. I got to make, I can make good things happen out of this. I know that. It's going to suck and I don't have to love it, but I can love the opportunity to do it type of thing. But I I mean, I'm never going to get over this loss. This is never going to be something that I'm over. Um, it's always going to be with me. And I've accepted that. And because I've accepted that now I'm able to do things, but you got to focus. like you can't, if, if, if you're not getting enough minutes, if you don't think you're going to make the team, if you got cut from the team or whatever it is, like what's done is done. You have to focus on, okay, what is within my control? What can I do? How can I earn more minutes? If I'm, if I'm not the starting quarterback, maybe can I play slot receiver? Can I, what can you do to help your team? Can you be the first one to practice? Can you be the last one to leave? Can you watch more film? That's within your power and control. And if you're just going to complain about things outside of your control, you're never going to be a very good athlete and you're never going to be very good at anything. Honestly, you got to just worry about what you can do. That is a profound lesson that I think sports teaches and, it's almost like you don't know you need it. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking yeah. of the scene from Karate Kid, you know, like yeah. you're, you're waxing the car, you're painting wax the on, wax everything. Off. You don't know what's <laughs> going on the whole time you're playing sports, but then one of these things happens, life throws a punch at you, Yeah, you know, and then you realize, oh, all those things I've been doing in sports, they've prepared me for this moment. Now, now of course, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take yeah. away the loss, but what you're doing is going to impact you could either impact nobody right you know like you said sit in your basement yeah and and just wallow in in the sorrow that i'm sure i'm sure there are some days like that by the way yeah or you can say what can i do what can i do to bring honor to my family's name to mm-hmm. my wife to my children to my brother and and then as you start doing those things within your control then yeah. it can lift you higher than you would have been otherwise. And what I've learned from, if you focus on things within your control, the more you do that, then just, you kind of realize you, you get more things within your control, if that makes sense. But it, tell, it's tell me weird. more about that. Yeah. It's just, it, you just, I don't know if, if you're literally getting more things in your life that you're in control over, or if you're just seeing new ways in life that you have more control over, but I've just learned that as I focus on things within my control, things actually open up and more things are within my power. You start to get the power back. And that's one of the worst things of this accident is you just feel powerless. Like, what was that? What happened? And part of getting the power back is focusing on what you can control. And sports has given me this mentality. I'm sure you watched the Michael Jordan, um, The Last Dance documentary. Yeah. Right. And Michael Jordan had this this perspective of 
he would just kind of exaggerate scenarios or sometimes maybe even make him up to like piss himself off <laughs> and then just go like take it out on people. And he would mm-hmm. tell us these stories. Sports gives you that mindset. And after the accident, I had the mindset of, I had a lot of mindsets. I wanted to die. Um, then I just wanted to run from everything. And now I flipped into this mindset of the way I look at the car accident is life, fate, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it life. Life has taken my family away. And my mindset is, oh, like, you think that's going to late, like, put me down? You don't think I'm going to get back up? You think I'm just going to lay down the rest of my life? No. Like, all right, bring it on then. If you think that's going to hold me down, like, you made a mistake. You should never have taken him from me. Because now look out, I'm coming for you. And I'm going to make something amazing out of this. And that's kind of my mentality now. And, you know, I don't know if that's how life actually works. I don't know if life's like out to get me type of thing. But that's when I'm in my best mindset, that's the attitude I have. It's like, all right, F you then. And the most powerful mindset I get my, I kind of psych myself into is life was trying to take everyone away from me. But Blue survived. Blue surviving, you weren't you weren't counting on that, but blue was strong enough to survive because he survived. Now I'm gonna survive and now watch out. Like I started this 1090 podcast, started 1090 Instagram, and I'm going for this thing. And I don't I'm not scared of failure, I'm not scared of what people say. It's pedal to the metal, 1090. I'm gonna share my message and we'll see what happens, type of thing. Tell but that's me about 1090. Well, 109, I'm sure you've heard the quote, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you handle it. Mm-hmm. That's a Lou Holtz quote, famous yeah. football coach, Notre Dame coach mostly. My dad, he would he would send me that quote a lot after the accident and through email, and we'd have have conversations about it. And you know, I eventually felt I was just kind of sick of being miserable. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna like get up and do something about this. And so I want to start a podcast about overcoming adversity. So what the podcast is about is we invite people on the show. They talk about essentially like the worst things that have happened to them. That's the 10%. And then we talk about the 90%, like, okay, what's worked for you? How have you dealt with your trauma? How have you overcome that obstacle? What didn't work for you? So we can build a community and a culture of, of helping people deal with really traumatic events or big obstacles, give them things that, other people have used to help them navigate through it type of thing. And the buddy, my, my childhood friend that I do it with, he has a rare form of dwarfism called Ellis Van Krebel. So he has a really powerful story about overcoming adversity too. And so that's what we do. Me and him have this podcast. We just started it. So I'm doing that. And then I'm trying to be a public speaker. So I've, I've done four public speaking gigs now. So I'm, I'm getting that going, but I went from, I went from, I never want to, talk about them i never want to look at pictures of them i just want to run from it i went from that to now i want everyone to see them i want everyone to know about them i want to talk about them all the time that's awesome i love the 1090 yeah principle because it's so right now it is so counter-cultural to what's going on it feels like that you have a lot of people, we did one, I did a podcast just a couple of weeks ago on here about the victim mentality. And when people get caught yeah. in that trap of being a victim, when when life happens to them, instead of them happening to life, it's, yeah. 
at Ohio State, they share this this formula that you've probably heard it, you know, the E plus R equals O, right? Event plus response equals yeah. outcome. And, and we get so caught up in events um, and, and outcomes, but the one variable that we actually can, can impact in that equation is the response. Yeah. We're going to have events. I mean, you've had this tragic, horrible event happen. And, and now you decide, okay, like you can't change the event, but outcome is, can be affected by R. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, and I love that it goes right along with that 1090, right? That 90% now is going to be your response and what you do yes. with, with blue, how you affect the lives of others, how you do these things like your podcast and, and the public speaking to, to really help people respond to adversity and to, to be resilient. So, man, that is super cool. And I would love to put yeah. the, link to your podcast in our in our show notes as well so yeah that'd be awesome i'd appreciate that so that people can can see yeah that. i mean like like here like i was a i was a high school basketball coach for a few years too at my old high school so i went back to west Jordan high school and was a head coach there for a couple of years and and i just remember every year tryouts would come around and you just have to cut kids and i that's the worst part of the whole year was cutting kids that you like it's not mm-hmm. fun no one enjoys it but it's just like that's such a great opportunity for young athletes. And I honestly think this, I honestly think let's just take two kids. So one kid makes the team, the other kid gets cut from the team. I honestly think if the parents and that kid handle being cut well, meaning they don't blame anyone for it. They take accountability where accountability should be accepted. They could, that could be the, one of the best things that they ever go through in high school to help them become a better person later in their life and the kid who makes the team might never learn that valuable lesson so i really believe life's less about winning and losing it's more about how you handle those two things because it's inevitable we're all going to experience those two things big deal now what life goes on that's one thing i've learned life goes on like my family this is an analogy i always use on with my 1090 stuff my family was killed and then the next day, my electric bill came. Like, it's brutal. That, that's the world. Like, it's brutal. Like, you, the world keeps going. It doesn't really care. And so success or failure, that's just part of it. But people handle success bad, too. It could cripple them. And how many athletes experience great success, and then it cripples them, and they, they just fall apart? So 1090 is not just about handling failure. It's about handling success. If you don't handle success well either, then big deal. Like, it was. It would have been better off if you would have lost or didn't succeed at all. So you become the captain, you become the CEO, you start your own business, you get the scholarship you wanted, whatever it is, big deal, big whoop. Like now what? You got to keep going. And that's the mindset you have to have, you know, win or lose. Okay. If you lose, okay, that sucked. Now what? What are you going to do? What are your options? Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love how you brought win winning in as well. The response, yeah, to winning, that ninety percent. So the ten percent, okay, you won, <laughs> or you made the team, you got the scholarship, you got the contract, whatever it might be. Yeah, that, but still, that's over. The electric bill's still coming. So now, yeah, you gotta, you, exactly ninety percent. How are you going to respond to that? Yeah, and uh, it, my 
I, my brother, Sheldon Martin, he's a, he's a doctor of behavioral health and he sits on our board at Especially for Athletes. And, and Sheldon talked about this thing called the reaction range where a reaction range in mental health is, so let's say you have a young person with autism, for example, what you expect of that young person in certain areas of their life might be lower than you would expect from someone who's not with autism. And so, but there's this baseline and the reaction range is how, how high can, how high functioning can we get this kid with some tools, some skills, some things like that. So he was talking about this reaction range, like from baseline to your greatest potential. And he, he shared the, the example of LeBron James, you know, you and I played high school basketball. It's not that LeBron James outworked us right like yeah we could have outworked him no i i no i i think you're right i think yeah and and so he has i mean he's six eight he's strong he's all i mean gosh just the perfect specimen to be a an nba star so but sometimes that becomes an impediment to some people not to lebron james but there's other six foot eight strong coordinated fast high jumping athletes who never became what LeBron James became. And mm. the reason is, is they settle that 10%. That's what happens to them. They're born with that body, but that yep. 90%, they don't work. They're just always that best kid. Like yeah. we alluded to before they walk on the court. It's so easy for them. And so they never become what they could have become because they settle for just being the best instead of their best but pretty soon their best isn't the best as they climb up those ladders to success. So I, anyway, yeah. I was just, that's super profound what you brought up that 1090, the mm. 90 response needs to apply, not just to the difficult things in life, but how do we respond to our successes in life? Some people that's respond well to success. Some people become paralyzed by their own success yeah. and settle. I, honestly, I believe that. Like, I think success is sometimes the worst thing to happen to some people because it just ruins them. It just they can't handle all of it, whether it's all the money or the fame or whatever it is. And it just ends up doing them more damage than good because it's all perspective. It's all how, how you handle it. That's the one thing you're in constant control over is your thoughts and how you think and what your perspective is going to be. And that's a really powerful thing because those thoughts is what leads to our our actions. So yeah. the power of the mind is, is incredible. And that's another thing that I learned is, you know, the King isn't the happiest guy in the kingdom all the time. I really think the peasant or the merchant might be happier, just as happy. It's all perspective. So yeah, don't let success like take your hunger away and desire to, to achieve things. But yeah, so 1090, that's what we, we focus a lot on. What can you control? What are things people do to, to help them overcome obstacles? We encourage athletes at their school to use their position, their sport light is what we call it, the attention that comes to them because they're an athlete in the spotlight to do good. Yeah. Now, some of us look back at our high school years and none of us did this perfectly, I don't think, but you coached high school ball, you've played high school ball, you've been a college athlete, you've been in that sport light. What advice do you have for high school athletes as they get ready to go back to school about the difference they can make in the life of their their peers? 
Yeah, I I think you set that up really good because, yeah, athletes, man. I mean, we know how it is. They just a lot of people look up to them at the school, and some it's just sad because sometimes those athletes are some mean people sometimes, and it goes back to it's what's in your control and how you use it. These high school athletes, they could use that, you know, popularity status to do a lot of good or to do a lot of bad or to do nothing. They could just, you know, kind of be in the middle. And I think I I think it gets lost on high school students. Like just simple things, man, like little simple stuff. It doesn't you don't have to like take the kid out to lunch or like bring him a birthday present but just like a high five or how you doing? And I honestly, I don't want to like change topics or anything, but I think the whole cell phone thing is, is just really different now. When I was in high school, there's really no cell phones. And if you had them, it was not how it is today type of thing where our face is just in them all the time. But cell phones just disguise how lonely people are, how lonely these high school kids are sometimes because they're at lunch all alone, but they have their phone. And I think some of us just think like, oh, like, He's got the phone. He's talking to something like, no, he's really lonely. And I, I just get, the, I just being a, a high school coach and a high school teacher, I, I just see that a lot about opportunities like that, that the athletes miss out on, but just go sit to that kid at lunch, compliment their shoes or something, just little thing, or, or just don't be mean to them. I, I just hate bullies, man. My nephew, rider that was in the car accident he he had some bullies and it just breaks my heart and it breaks my heart because that's something that's within your control be and that's why it's really sad the whole bullying thing is that's within our control man you can't control how many touchdown passes you're going to get or if you're going to get any home runs but you can control how you act with other people in your school yeah easy like you have control over that it's one of the few things you do have so it's the same story man it's the same answer is focus on what you can do what can you control and you know people for me like i lost my i lost a lot of family members and and it's been interesting and it's been i don't want to say good but because it's sad but it's been good to see how people respond to me Cause I've been, I've gone through so much and it's been really interesting to see how people can focus and find ways of what they can do for me. And that's been really special for me to, to witness is like people from all over the world, man, like New Zealand, like all over the world have reached out to me, just give me words of wisdom or encouragement. I mean, it means so much. It takes a village sometimes. Yeah. I definitely couldn't go through what I went through alone. And that's something that I'm really lucky and fortunate to have is I have really strong family and parents and brothers and sisters. And I have a lot of good people around me to help me. And I need those people. I could not do this alone. Wouldn't have a chance. And so high school athletes, like, man, help people out that are alone, man. It's not fun being alone. It's a terrible feeling. So high fives, smile, compliment something man do something what can you do focus on that and then do it for him awesome sorry i went on a little rampage there that was beautiful man that was beautiful (laughs) you are awesome you are an incredible example of someone who's resilient responds well and recognizes what's in your control and and puts all of your effort towards those things and i love what you just said about 
okay, there are certain things in your control and you could decide what you do with them. You could do bad things with them. You could do good things with them. And what determines good people, who's good and, and who maybe isn't good or doesn't make as big of a contribution is those who take whatever's within my control, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in such a way that it does good for other people. Mm-hmm. That's just a great, great life principle. The way we say it is eyes up and, and do the work. Yeah. It's- hey, have you ever heard of uh, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose? No. You ever heard of that one? Cause I love the saying clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. And I got it from a TV show called Friday night lights. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about like a, high school football team in texas right and uh the coach has this saying before every game they're in the locker room and he says to the team clear eyes full hearts can't lose well he says clear eyes full hearts and then the team chants back can't lose and essentially it's the same thing what you're saying is we have to have clear eyes meaning stay focused understand the game plan understand who you are be self-aware but also clear eyes is it's not about you. Like get your eyes off of yourself. Like it's about other people. And that's what clear eyes really means is, Hey, it, stop thinking about you. It's not about your statistics. It's not about how many points did you score or how it's not about you, dude. It's about the greater good. It's about the team. And that's one thing I learned And my therapy. My therapist told me this in one of our therapy sessions. He said, he said, Mason, um, like kind of what you said earlier, like, you've been dealt a bad hand. Like this is one of the worst stories I've heard. And, and he said, but you know what? It's not about you. And it's not about blue. And I was just taken back. I'm like, what do you even mean by that? I was kind of frustrated, honestly. And then he said, he's like this car accident. He's like, this is about the 7 billion people that make up humanity. And he, he wanted, he went on to tell me this. He said, Mason, if you wanted to like kill yourself, he's like, I will, he told me this. I don't. I, I promise he's a good therapist. But he said that he's like, dude. If you wanted to kill yourself, I wouldn't blame you. But he also said, you could do so much good for so many people. So many people are hurting like you. So many people are alone like you. He's like, do you want them to feel alone? I'm like, no. And and he kind of it was like a like a pump up talk almost before like I went out to a game. Like I was pumped up. He's like, you could do so much good if you choose to. He's like, if you want. He's like, but it's up to you. And it was just a really powerful message that resonated with me. And I think, and I believed him. I thought he was right. And so I kind of had this decision. I'm like, okay, what path am I going to go down here? Um, but yeah, I just, I think that's a really, hmm. really powerful story. Yeah. It was that therapy session. Yeah. Um, so that's clear eyes. Clear eyes is, and that's what my therapist helped me understand was, okay, Mason, I know it's, and trauma does that to you. Trauma just makes you really selfish. Because poor me, I lost this and this and this. And you just really don't have a lot of time and energy at the end of the day for other people. It's one of the worst things about it. It just makes you really selfish. And so the minute I was able to think more about other people, oh, man, like it didn't heal me, but it got better, got a lot better. So that's clear eyes. And then the full hearts part is kind of what you're saying with eyes up, do the work is having that full heart is the action and hundred percent effort. And if you get knocked down, you get back up. And if you do those two things, if you always have clear eyes and a full heart, then despite what the scoreboard says, or despite what happens in life, you're, you're never going to lose because you have those two things. You have clear eyes and full hearts. And I love that because in a way 
it helps me feel really connected with my family. And as I get to share my message about being resilient, I get to talk about them. And in a way, I feel like I still am never going to lose them in the idea that they're always with me and with the message that I'm giving. So clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. That's one that really resonates with me a lot. Um, and I got that from that Friday Night Light show. Yeah. And I actually love that. This is kind of funny. I actually love that show so much. My wife and I did that we named our first kid Riggins, who's a character from that show. <laughs> anyway, so that's how much we love the show. So I've always loved that saying, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. So oh, I think it's really similar to what you guys have going on. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the way you explained it is exactly, you know, the, what we're trying to teach young athletes to do. And so, yeah, Jason, I appreciate you taking the time so much. Yeah, man. Anytime I keep chat, I chat all day, dude. So thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate we'll have to it. have you on again and have yeah. you get involved in some of our events. And we appreciate the way you've responded. It is inspiring to all of us. And as I hear you, I mean, just this conversation and the people who will listen to this, um, you know, I know it's tough, crushing to lose your family the way you did. But all that I've heard you say, both in your YouTube videos, in this conversation has inspired me. And so because of this event, that 10 that happened, that crushing yeah. 10, your response and your resilience has has impacted me and will impact many others. And so I'm sure that your wife, your children, your brother would be super proud of the way you're responding. And I'm sure your parents are as well. Yeah. Thank uh, you. And so God bless you, friend. You're, yeah, you too, man. You're an inspiration. And for all of you who are listening to this, we'll put the links in our, in our bio. So you can go listen to that 1090 podcast. And so that you can, you can listen to some of the other things that Mason has said in his speaking engagements and, and learn how to get in contact with him. But, but thank you for joining the Sportlight Podcast. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforalfies.org slash book.